Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Poor Cole Champion. He's had a year to remember as old Paul Colt winning two gold medal, two golds at the Commonwealth Games, becoming world number one and returning home for the first time since the pandemic, despite falling short at the Egyptian Open last week. He's now managed to reclaim his spot as the top-ranked squash player in the world. He'll be looking to maintain his ranking heading into the US Open this weekend and beat out rival Ali Farag. For the title. Well, if anyone can get it done after what I can only imagine has been an exhausting 12 months, is our man Colsey, and he's on the line with us today. Afternoon, Colsey. How's the United States for you, brother? Yeah, kia ora, brother. It's, um, it's good, man. It's always uh, nice to come to, to America. It's a uh, easy place to play. We're playing indoors, which is always nice. And uh, yeah, I like it here. My whole team's here this week. So, um, you know, we're looking for a big week. Mate, you, you, you haven't had any rest. Let's be completely honest. Straight from a World Series, straight into the Commonwealth Games, you had a trip home, and then you're ripping straight into another season, mate. What's it all been like for you? How, how's, the, how's the body feeling? Yeah, it's been a crazy six months, 12 months, bro. Um, it's been lots of highs, lots of lows. Um, like you say, pretty pretty draining. didn't really have an off-season going into the Commonwealth Games, but, man, that was like the best two weeks of my life, so I wouldn't change it for anything. But, um, yeah, man, my, yeah. My, my life's changed drastically in the last six months. You know, heaps of heaps of cool opportunities, heaps of distractions that I'm, you know, uh, dealing with. So, um, but I've been enjoying it, man. It's, uh, my life's been great, so I can't complain. Got a rig in New Zealand yet, Colsey? Any, any sponsors there throwing you a big ram? Ram 500, something like that? <laughs> no, uh, no no wheels, mate. I'm still waiting for Izzy to hook me up there. But uh, <laughs> just signed with Barfoot and Thompson, actually. Great New Zealand company. So i um, stoked to have them on board. Give them a plug. Hey, um, mate, what's it like being back at number one? <laughs> it's cool, man. Um, obviously, uh, I was number one for, you know, three months at, at the start of the year. And that was um, something very new to me. Um, lots of doors open, met lots of cool people. Mm. Maybe if I'm being completely honest, um, I was guilty of getting a little bit distracted in, in, in terms of my off-court life. But, um, you know, this time around, 
I've spoke to a lot of people that have helped me out and given me some, you know, pretty wicked advice, uh, including including my man uh, Izzy there. So, yeah, I feel a bit more prepared and, you know, a bit less um, overwhelmed with the whole thing. You know, I, I didn't really think it would bother me as much, but, you know, looking back, I was probably definitely a bit guilty of uh, enjoying my off-court life a bit too much. But, you know, you live and you learn. Hey, you, you live and you learn, Colsey, and you gotta you got to enjoy it because it's such a short time and, and, you know, you're out there on the court, you, you're putting your so much effort out there, so you, you've really got to enjoy it. But, um, you, yeah, you've, you've been number one, you've you've had your chance. So, obviously, round one probably didn't quite get the result you were after. You've come back and you, you were so close up against your your, your arch-rival, um, Ali Farag. But what was the key lessons from, from the start of the season to be able to get back into contention fighting for the Egyptian title? Yeah, bro. It was just, um, you know, trying to go back to sort of simplifying things, just, um, you know, finding out, you know, why I play squash and not getting too caught up in, you know, the whole whole fame and whole, you know, sort of benefits that come with. Obviously, I want to enjoy that stuff, but, you know, I just sort of got to go back to, um, you know, myself and, Playing for playing for myself, playing for my family, and just you know, sort of trying to simplify it and, and keep it, you know, chasing the titles that we want to we want to win, and try not to get too caught up in everything. But yeah, I'm feeling good, man. Like Egyptian Open, I sort of got my my mindset back. I got my determination and fight back, which was a really nice feeling to have. So even though I fell short in the final, it was quite a a good tournament for me to get my mindset back and felt like myself on court again, which was you know really nice since Commonwealth Games. I was sort of struggling a bit after that with you know the highs and lows and um so yeah man it was a wicked tournament and i feel good going into this week like i said my whole team's here so yeah looking for a, a good week mate we were, we were rooting for you back down here watching it in the studio actually that final so um look forward to the the rematch hopefully and you're getting one back up over them um i just got a question for you colsey what what about how do you how do you continually raise the bar when you get to number one have you got a method or an understanding of what's going to keep you in front of people? Yeah, man. I'm, like I said, like that was um, something that I've, I've been sort of working at because I've always, my whole career, I've always been the, the chaser, you know. I've always sort of been chasing people who are better than me and then all of a sudden to find myself on top was a little bit different. I didn't think my squash suffered too badly, but, you know, maybe mentally I was sort of, I was a bit tired at some tournaments and you know, sort of a bit distracted. And I think it's just going back to doing what I've done, you know, my whole career. And that's just, you know, trying to improve myself and looking at weaknesses in my game and then going on court and just, you know, sort of leaving it all out there and fighting um, for every point. So, again, it's just going back to that whole, you know, like what got me to where I was, what got me to, to number one and just trying to keep it simple and focus on that. And um, like I said, the last sort of, month has been really I think quite a revelation for me in terms of you know speaking to some people getting some good advice and sort of finding finding that out within myself and sort of having that realization which I think I did at Egyptian Open and I felt really good mentally and even after the tournament even even having a loss I felt you know mentally quite good and quite happy with how the tournament went. Were were you aware uh, that some of Farag's ranking points were expiring and you were set to reclaim the world number one a spot. Yeah, I get tagged in about twenty things a day on Instagram <laughs> when that comes around. So um, it's hard to it's hard to sort of ignore that. But you know, it's it's something I try not to think about too much because if you win win events, you're going to be number one, and that's what we want to do. It's really just sort of 
win win big events and um you know the world they have all these things that's like you know this week i'll be world number one next week i won't be world number one but really world number one's over a 12 month period you know you got to play well for 12 months you can't just keep thinking week in week out it's you know consistency over 12 months and it's an accumulation of points and you know after 12 months you're going to drop off good points so you got to keep sort of you know backing those up every month every week and um, that's sort of how I try and look at it rather than mm. you know on the monthly rankings or weekly rankings it's more of a 12-month performance. Well, I think Tiger Woods was about 500 odd weeks at number one, mate. So keep going, Colsey. Keep charging, brother. You got a couple of, you got 499 weeks to go, all right? You got 499 weeks. Hey, brother, you're back in the United States. I remember this time last year, we actually spoke to you post your United States Open win. And uh, Baz was having a tongue in cheek. How much did you win your prize money, mate? Like, what does this event mean to you? This is probably a, a big event on the calendar for your. For your year, hundred percent, man. Um, this is uh, sort of, if I'm being honest with you, this is this is my first sort of tournament. I thought I would be ready to try and have a crack at winning. I think you know, having the off season that I had with Commonwealth Games, I didn't feel like I was going to be ready for the start of the season. And I sort of said with my team that this was the first tournament that I I targeted to win. Um, and it's obviously one of the most prestigious. You know, U.S. Open and sort of any sport holds a lot of you know, credit. So I, I really haven't, you know, I really want to win this one and, you know, put it alongside my, my sort of other, other wins that I've had. So yeah, man, this is uh, high on my, my goals list. And, you know, I'm just going to try and enjoy the week. I said, like I said, I brought my whole team here. So um, we're all in good spirits and body and mind are feeling good. So ready to go. Hey, Colsey, you're looking forward to returning home. You've spoken to some people and uh, about coming back down under and getting the job done. Oh man, I'm, Oh, I can't wait, mate. We're uh, we're coming back this month, twenty twenty seventh of October. I think I'm flying back. Not that I'm not that I'm counting down the days or anything, but <laughs> mate, it's gonna be uh, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be an elite event. And I think you know the organisers there. I know they're gonna put on a wicked event. And first time we've sort of had something like this in oh, a good thirty odd years. So, mate, I'm ecstatic, and uh, my whole family's coming up. Basically, the whole Greymouths, you know, taking over Tauranga. So. <laughs> Um, looking forward to it. Don't, don't forget to tell your mum and dad to bring that white bait up, son. <laughs> they got to pack that amongst the wine, mate. <laughs> I was with you. I was at the gym with your auntie the other day, and she said that about thirty of you are, are heading along to the gym, mate. So, uh, heading along to the open. It's gonna be a crazy week. Like, are you, are you expecting seller? How much can that stay? Is that Susan Devoy? Um, obviously, courts there, isn't it? So, how much can that hold? Yeah, mate, but they're putting a glass court in Trust Power Arena, so it holds around six hundred, oh. I think. And they sold the they sold the tickets out within fifty minutes, um, so <laughs> it's going to be pretty a pretty wicked event. It's going to be pretty special. I know they've got billboards and you know bus advertising going around Tauranga. So um, yeah, man, like they sold out in fifty minutes, which is unreal. Um, half of that's grey mouth, but yeah, it's going to be pretty special. Oh, mate, it's going to be absolutely special, Colsey. We, we, we're so proud of you down under, and I know your life has changed so much over the last year. You're an absolute superstar back in New Zealand and around the world, let's be complete. Number one squash player. How many squash players are there in the world? You got an estimate? I want, I'm, going to, I'm going to say a few, you know, a few hundred million just to make myself sound good, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. You're number one, mate. You're standing at the top of that pyramid. Keep it up, Colsey. We're really proud of you here on the show. And uh, 
get that job done, mate. We'll get the job done over the next couple of weeks. Turn left and, and return home, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, boys. Appreciate the phone call. There he is, Mr. Paul Cole. Loved his honesty there, Kempi. Loved his honesty. I, I've been having a... Um, I'm glad he brought it up. I've been having a couple of good chats with uh, Colsey. Not only me, a lot of um, people around uh, that have got their own experiences because I guess when you... When you are that hungry, you're that fighter, you're that lion that's uh, looking for a bit of prey, it's not hard to find motivation and and the motivation to get up and do a bit extra and get out. But when you're the hunted, that's when it's hard. Yeah. And that sounds like he's had his, his, had his little struggles over the thing, and I loved it. And I've been giving him my experiences because I've been the hunter and then I've been the hunted. And it's uh, it comes with different mindsets, and I loved his honesty there. Yeah, and that's and that's a right. You know, half the half the the journey is getting there, but the hard part of the journey is staying there, isn't it? You know, you see so many people yeah. fall off the uh, off the bandwagon once they've done all the hard work and got there. And that's why I asked him, you know, what's his method of, of making sure that he's going to stay at the top for as long as he can. So, mate, at the at the um, heart of it, he's a Kiwi Kiwi kid, and so humble, mate. You know, his humility is really awesome. The way that he just talks about it openly, and mate, good on him. I love watching him. I think he's a you know a true West Coaster. The competitiveness and the way that he he just hates losing points, man, that just drives him. He just wants to win. I love that. He's yeah. Look, he's obviously a huge friend of our show, and he's a global superstar in New Zealand now. He's a he's a name that everyone's synonymous with, and uh, very recognisable. So we're very proud of him. He's um, obviously going through his his little struggles, but he's back there and. Uh, we can't wait to get him home. Look, I said it earlier, it's obviously a week. <laughs> it's a pretty big week on uh, our calendars, but we'll be there in spirit supporting him. 600 tickets sold out in 50 minutes. That is great work. People are rallying around our squash players and going to have a hell of an event. 20 million, by the way. 20 million. 20 million people play squash regularly worldwide over 190 wow. odd countries, 185 odd countries. So 20 million, number one. And we were talking about Ryan Fox the other day being we're twenty number twenty five. It's just yeah, I know. Like it's the old thing we, when we go to the Olympics, we always say, "Oh, per per capita, New Zealand, yeah, per capita, per capita." But seriously, Kempi, like we're a little, we've got Antarctica spitting all over us at the moment. That <laughs> Arctic blast, polar blast, and then we've also got some of the world's highest achieving athletes. It's pretty special. Isn't Spitting it? out champions everywhere. You know, Lisa Carrington, Paul Cole. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, I, I actually spent some time thinking about that yesterday, about how are we going to continue to deliver on the world stage when everything is moving so fast, athletes are becoming bigger, faster, mm. stronger, and little old New Zealand down here, we don't even have a high performance centre. I guess we've always just... Isn't that crazy? What do you mean by that? We like... don't have a high performance centre, mate. We have the Millennium oh, yeah, right. over the North Shore, which has a swimming pool the public use and a gym down the bottom and a little 10-metre track that they have at the back. But we don't have a, a, de- a designated high performance sports centre in New Zealand for any of our athletes to go to. Mm, I guess you got pockets like you got Cambridge where they have the velodrome and the um, obviously but Lake, imagine, Lake imagine what they've got all around the world these centres like the Institute of Sport in Australia for instance you seen that when you go to America these little pockets that they have mate they look like a millennium look like a coffee shop 
It's crazy. It's crazy what our athletes put up with and yet go out and just bring back the gold. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Now, loud and clear. And I guess we've always found a way, and that's been the... That's like the... The number eight wire. Yeah, just always found a way, <laughs> and we it's almost like we always will. But I know what you mean. Imagine what if we had a level playing field. It's um, pretty cool. Imagine that. That's, yeah. that's, what I'm, that's exactly what I'm saying. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. taking our little country and parking it in a, in a place that has this massive stadium. Like, they'd never be caught. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Yep, the World Cup Bonanza Sport is about to kick off this weekend, so I thought I'd put together three things we will learn about each event in relationship to sport being played at home and abroad. So here's number one. We realise that we should have built a stadium on the waterfront here in Auckland. Kicking the Women's Rugby League Cup off in central Auckland should have been a chance to showcase the country and its major city. Instead... We're ending up showcasing a white elephant in the back blocks of a retirement settlement and too far out of the main CBD. The sooner we build a new stadium down here on the waterfront, the better. Number two, the Kiwi team will win the World Cup, even though League in New Zealand is on life support. We realise this is a clear example of why the NRL need to step in and add New Zealand as a third state and remove a dysfunctional organisation that offers nothing to grassroots. Rugby League in New Zealand. The win confirms the players being recruited to Australia Systems is hurting the rest of the country and the NZRL can't fix it. The NRL step in. And number three, it's an end, end of an era for cricket and we need Baz McCullum and Ben Stokes to come home. Kane Williams and Gary Stead lose another series and need to move on and the rebuild needs to start at New Zealand Cricket. The man to transition the team into the next World Cup is our man, Baz. Come on, Baz, get on back here. Finally, after a successful World Cup, we realise, Izzy, that rugby league is quick becoming our number one sport and rugby and cricket have been pushed so far down the rankings, fans are switching the league faster than rats, leaving a sinking ship. Who would have imagined? Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. <laughs> Oh, you were going so well. You were going so well. And Fantasy. I was loving it. And, and then you just started to wake up. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Honestly, the one with the waterfront, man, I've missed the boat. I've missed the boat with that. Years ago, they were talking about that for the last World Cup. 2011. 2011. And, mm. 2011 and now we're at the situation. And now the budget would be triple that we'd seen that with down in Christchurch so whether they'll do a back turn on that you never know um Matt yeah well I love what you're saying about the Kiwis they have a genuine uh, chance which is crazy to think that because of how the Warriors are, are playing as of late to think that our Kiwis team and we ain't able to transition into our own NRL team are doing so well so yeah maybe you've got some an inkling of what the NRL can potentially do with New Zealand Rugby League how do we build the Warriors? How do we get the Warriors back to where we want to? We've been talking about it all year. We've had some our own little solutions and everything, but there's still that same old uh, adage, mate. And yes, Baz, 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 Baz. Whether he'd come back, probably not. He's um, flying over there. Not saying ever, but as of late, four years he's over in England. Six from seven. Wow, why would he want to come back? He's got a hell of a gig over there. 
we're just about to catch up with Billy Harmon, talk NPC. The uh, games this weekend look absolutely epic as the uh, NPC quarterfinals kick off North Harbour, Auckland. How good to start with the Battle of the Bridge on Friday. Wellington, Hawke's Bay, so you kind of got the Central Districts vibe there. Canterbury, Northland. Northland coming down for a massive upset, it would be. Waikato Bay of Plenty, so you've got the battle of the kind of central, the you know, the middle part of the North Island there as well. I just think the way that these have matched up is very, very cool. Uh, is he? Yeah, it's a beautiful, uh, wow, competitive playoff series coming up this weekend. They have been the benchmark all year long, and after a couple of years since the familiar feeling of an NPC title. Canterbury don't seem to need any added motivation to reclaim their status as the premier force in the provincial rugby this final series. Their playoff journey begins Saturday at 4.35pm when Northland travels south to try and rattle the cage. Canterbury skipper Billy Harmon is waiting though after, along. Is waiting a lot though along with his red and black tank. Billy's with us on the line now. Morena, Bill. Morena, Izzy, how's it going? Good, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. What, what's been in the water this year? Fresh coaching group, and the guys seem to have fully responded. It's been a fantastic season so far. Yeah, I think uh, Marty Burke's done an awesome job of setting up our environment, and um, I don't know what it is, but. You know, everyone just seems to be thriving, and everyone's just nailing their role. Everyone's playing well. Um, you know, it's been pretty simple. It's not like we're doing anything um, out of the ordinary, uh, but everyone's just doing their job really well. Yeah, Billy, I enjoyed watching your guys. Uh, you guys play this year. Defense has been absolutely outstanding, um, and your squad depth has been really good too. How how important is that squad depth in this NPC campaign? Yeah, I think we've we've been pretty blessed um, with our squad, to be fair. And um, they brought up the point that I think, apart from Cullen Grace, you know, everyone's fit to go, which you know that's kind of unheard of, especially um, end of the season. Um, so to think of the, you know, some of the talent we have not even um, been able to make that twenty-three, uh, it's pretty crazy, to be fair. Man, well, how like how much of the trend, how does Canterbury use the next man up mentality to not skip a beat throughout the season? Like you said, you've got squad depth, but when someone else comes in, how does uh, how does the team uh, embrace it and get this this player up to speed so quick? What's the mentality? Uh, I think we do, um, you know, an awesome job that you know the boys that aren't playing they're still they're still preparing like they are playing. Um, you know, we've had a couple times throughout the season where people have dropped out late. So we are always saying that, you know, everyone does need to be ready because you never know what can happen. Um, but on that as well, you know, everyone else is doing their job really well. So if someone is coming in, you know, they don't have too much to worry about. They just need to go out, nail their role, and um, everything will be sweet. What about your combination, mate, in the loose forwards? Yeah, you're usually a traditional... Open side, you've you've played a little bit of six and you played a lot of eight, mate. You join mixing it up? Yeah, it has been good. I don't I don't think I've actually played seven this year. Uh, I still see myself <laughs> as a number seven, but uh, it's been cool. I think it was sort of my first time um, playing eight, which is something I've actually enjoyed. You know, something a bit different, um, probably a bit more ball carrying, less tackling, which you know, the worst thing. <laughs> Nice, Billy. Nice answer, that, mate. Hey, you'd, be, you'd be all about that, Izzy. 
<laughs> yeah, mate, 100%. I'm, I'm feel you. <laughs> hey, Billy, what about the leadership this year? Who's uh, who's really stood out for you in, on on and off the football pitch? Uh, oh, mate, there's been, you know, that many great leaders in the team. I think, you know, Fergus Burke's done an awesome job of um, leading our attack. Uh, you know, with Tom Cressy running the defence. Uh, we've got the likes of Sam Darrow, who's, you know, really coming to his own around driving that line out, you know, with the help of Romano. I think he's really stepped up in that area. Um, you know, we've got Brody McAllister, he's sort of in charge of the forwards. Um, you know, Ryan Mecca, he's sort of in charge of the back. So, you know, there's as a captain, you know, everyone's been doing such an unreal job in leading their areas that, you know, to be fair, I've probably done less work this year than maybe other years when I was, say, leading defence or something like that. So, you know, credit to them, it's made my job really easy. Mate, at the start of the year, you probably weren't predicting a Northland Tanifar to come down and, and face you come playoff season, mate. They've had an outstanding year. We spoke to the coach earlier in the week. They know the challenge that presents them come Saturday, mate. But for you, what has been the main focus? You've played them once this year. You would have, you know, you would have figured out a few things about Northland. What's been the main focus this week? You know, they have had an unreal season and, you know, they just play with confidence and we know that's exactly what they're going to do. Um, you know, like when we played them last time, that first two minutes, they came out flying. Um, so we know they're going to back themselves. Um, but for us, it's, you know, just about maintaining that um, that energy and intent and detail for 80 minutes, you know, and that's where I think we can, um, you know, really challenge them. Hey, what about the season as a whole? Are you enjoying the new format? Is it, has it been pretty uh, innovating and energising, just having something new to play for, evens, uh, odds and evens conference? Yeah, I think it's been cool that everyone's involved. Um, mm. Although I will say, you know, last week was all a bit confusing about, you know, who was going to make quarters, and I think just about pretty yeah. much everyone was chance. So uh, I was getting asked a lot, like, who's going to be quarterfinals and stuff, I didn't even bother looking because it was just, um, it was all a bit chaotic so, that's the, just waiting that's the, yeah, just waiting that's the purpose like, of the yeah, comp just, uh, yeah Billy, that's the yeah. purpose of the comp is to give everyone an opportunity, but out of the out of the eight teams that have that have made the uh, the quarters, obviously you guys you know, we know this is the hardest team to, to, to come up against and play but what other team in the competition that you think in the eight um, has impressed you guys the most? Well, I think it'll be, for us, like, uh, you know, there's a couple of teams that we haven't played. So, like, you know, the likes of uh, Waikato or, you know, Bay Plenty, whoever gets through that. Um, you know, that team that we haven't just played yet, so that's probably the uncertainty. So, you know, a team like that, when you come up against them, it's all fresh and you don't really know what they're going to bring. So, um, probably a team like that, yeah. Well, mate, it's a fantastic uh, competition at the moment. I think it's really um, invigorated the, the competition in the National Province, NPC. It's been outstanding, mate. Billy Hart, we're going to let you go, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Good luck Saturday, 4.35 at home, taking on the Tanifa. You're playing outstanding. Keep up the great form, my friend, and we'll chat to you soon. Cheers, guys. Catch you later. Here he is, Billy Harmon, captain of Canterbury. And the bookies would be shocked because they've got them a dollar eight. A dollar eight versus Northland seven dollars. So oh, if you oh, I'm taking a bit of that seven bucks. Mate, when you take take it up there and tell everyone, 
Yeah, 100%. take it up there, okay? Because you're up to north on this weekend, so you're right there. And it's us versus you, Kimpy. Six away from eight. Great defence, though. Great defence there. Defence, mate, impressive. Caring for our communities. Out of the gym and off the park. Working just as hard paying it forward to our next generation. This is More Than An Athlete with Izzy and Kempe. Yes, the 2021 Women's Rugby World Cup is here literally and physically this weekend. Our black firms get their chance in front of a packed Eden Park to kick off a tournament which can continue to ascend the women's game to the places it's been threatening to go in Aotearoa for a long, long time. It'll be a proud moment for a lot of people, including those who have worn the jersey before, the current players. And yes, my mate Melody Robinson played 18 tests for the Black Ferns. She knows what it's like to taste World Cup success, but she also knows what it's like to be more than an athlete. We all know Mel from her successful broadcasting career on our screens. She's been a force in the media industry for two decades now and advocated and campaigned for women in the sector to be supported and getting their fair, fair crack too. We couldn't think of a better week to welcome Melody into the show. So it's a big morena to her, morena Mel. How are you going? Thanks for joining us on the Izzy and Kempi for Breakfast Show. Oh, morena, um, ka nini aho, which means um, I'm a little bit tired because we have been busy this week, big time, prepping for this weekend, but very, very excited. And they are the nicest words you've ever said about me, Kimpy. <laughs> I, I knew I, when I was reading it, too, I knew you were going to say something like that. Hey, look, a triple headed, a triple headed, a kick off, Mel. You must be so excited that it's finally here and uh, going going along. I guess on the weekend, what are you expecting? Uh, well, I'm expecting more than rugby. I think that mm. you're going to see in the crowd, um, around 35,000 tickets have been sold from um, my official numbers from uh, my World Rugby contacts. That's a world record uh, for a Women's World Cup. And in the crowd, you're going to see little girls um, and women, different types of people watching, because they're there not just for the rugby, not just for Rita Ora, but they're there because mm. they know how important this is to the landscape of women's sport, which is just awesome. Hey Mel, it's great to have you on the show. Is he here? Appreciate your time. Hey, um, from from when you were back running around to now, how proud are you to to see where the game of women's rugby is at and women's sport in general? Like it's just come a long way. We're not quite there. I know we don't want to get too confident uh, about it, but there's still a lot of work to go under the bridge. But um, how proud are you where where it's at at the moment? Oh, look, I'm I'm so proud. I'm really, really stoked for the young women who are wearing the black jersey now because the world's their oyster. And I remember back in 1996 in my first tour um, to Australia and Canada with the Black Ferns, and we played our first test against Australia at the Concord Oval, um, and we won the Laurie O'Reilly Cup there. And I remember when we lifted it up, there was around about 28 people in the crowd, and all of them <laughs> were, were our family, my dad and my power. That was it. And then we went to Canada, same thing. Like, no one was watching. 98 in Amsterdam, I reckon we had um, a nearly sold-out crowd there, but it was only about, you know, 1,500 people. So to have these young girls um, showing how brave they are in front of so many Kiwis is just awesome. Expecting 40,000-plus male this weekend. What The advocacy for women's um, rugby, which you've been right at the forefront of, do you see that um, equality coming and that equity coming back into the game these days? Well, not yet. Um, it's a long way off. 
uh, but there is a huge amount of investment and resources being in, put in, particularly by World Rugby. I'd have to say that World Rugby's led the way in that space, and it started with Sevens uh, when the um, Olympics uh, accepted Sevens as an Olympic sport, and they started that uh, professional um, seven series in 2012, and that's when the Sevens girls got um, a lot of investment and support, and also from High Performance Sport New Zealand. The government put quite a bit of cash into those women. Now their pay is uh, equitable to the men's Sevens team, and there's a reason for that, because they're an amazing product, they win, um, and very, very successful. So just catching up in the 15s game, you'll see there's be quite a big difference in some of these teams at this World Cup. Again, World Rugby has put millions into making sure that every single international team here has had a minimum of, I think it was eight test matches leaning into this, which is the most games ever. But you'll just see there's a big difference in some of the teams, and that's just time. I'd, I'd liken it back to sort of maybe 91 for the men's development. That's where the women's teams are now, um, and we'll get there. It's just going to take some time. What is an ideal scenario for a national game, for our national competition, which is the Farah Palmer, now we've got the, the Super Rugby competition. What is an ideal scenario for the women's game where you would love to see it at, where you'd be like, okay, we've done it? Um, well, my, my focus is always on, um, first and foremost, how you commercialise it. So um, I know the Black Ferns do not have one sponsor who specifically... Uh, puts money into them at the moment. And the way that New Zealand Rugby sells their sponsorship is like a blanket sponsorship still. That means there's revenue coming in and, and you know, a lot of these big sponsors do say that the Black Ferns are part of their stable. But what that means is you can't say specifically how much revenue the Black Ferns are bringing in. So I'd really love to see some attention um, and focus put on to making sure they've got their own stable of sponsors it's sponsorships that are not just fun of jersey, ones that are quite creative and different. Like the Warriors did with that, um, I think it was uh, Honda on the back of their shorts. Every time they won, they'd get extra money um, into their sponsorship pot um, and also they get a percentage given away to a charity. I really like that kind of sponsorship. I think that resonates in bringing athletes into corporate um, bodies as well. So you start getting that in, then you get the investment, and then we start seeing uh, women's rugby being... Uh, equal in pay in terms of the 15 aside if the money starts coming in. There just has to be some real love and attention there. Beautiful. Love it, love it. Well, Al, this is a segment about more than an athlete, and you are, well, you, your story and your journey about that is, is really uh, inspiring. So for you, from when you were, were playing on the rugby field and now you're doing, well, you're the big boss at TVNZ, I'm hearing, so you're making all the calls. How has that journey been for you? Like, what? Tell us about your story now. What are you up to? Geez, well, it's a bit of a funny one because um, <laughs> I think that I've always been myself. I think you know that as Ian Kempe. Um, because I am a bit mischief. <laughs> um, you know how they talk about bringing diverse people on board and companies. Well, I'm definitely one of those. Um, and I use humour a lot. Sometimes I've got to pull back on that. But I just think that adds heaps to... Um, business and people and culture and I think that's one of the things I've stayed true to from when I was playing you know the the naughty jokes and all of the crazy stuff I've dialed it back but I'm still me and I'm really happy and proud to be um, leading TVNZ's sport events like I 
I didn't think 20 years ago I'd ever be in a position of, of leadership like that, particularly in one of New Zealand's iconic companies. Um, but I am, and I just think it's really important because A, for women, B, for Māori, and C, for people who are not necessarily corporate um, uh, personalities is what I would say. So yeah, it's great, um, and I think it was all to do with, well, great parents and then um, being involved in an environment with Black Ferns, which was ahead of its time and just incredibly um, amazing at giving women self-esteem and letting you understand that you should be who you are because that's what makes you fantastic. So, I mean, that's a real short summary. Um, and it hasn't been mm. that easy on the way through. Um, and there's still more challenges to come. So, um, But I'm very happy at the moment with two wonderful children, a great dog and a fantastic husband. There you go. Nice, and he was on. He was on earlier this week too. <laughs> well, he has been on. <laughs> yeah, he, he's uh, he's a real good bloke. Now, hey, um, this cult- this cultural stuff and this diversity stuff that you you actually sit on a number of boards too, making sure that you get that out that message out there. How important is it for you um, to advocate for women, to advocate uh, for cultures uh, in and around sport and especially business at the moment? Yeah, look, it's um, important, but you need to make sure that you have a voice if you're a, um, a different person who's been brought onto a board. Um, the the structure of of uh, boards and how sports is, are run and how businesses are run means um, if you're not selected on merit and there are only you know, a particular type of person who has the right experience who are selected on merit, and if you are an outside pick, then you've got to work harder than anybody else to earn the respect and do a great job on the board table. Um, so I'll just talk about Rugby World Cup Limited, where um, me and Brian O'Driscoll are the two international rugby um, representatives there. They have a, a male and a female on all World Rugby Committees, um, which is fantastic. Uh, we've had to uh, set up a support system for the both of us, even though I've got um, uh, expertise and capability in sport, broadcast, sport rights, um, those kind of things. Uh, where we, we have a, an amazing group from international rugby players that look at um, the papers with us or look at the issues. Uh, then we'll meet with the CEO ahead of time um, to make sure that we have uh, what we um, need to say on the players' behalf in there beforehand, and then we go to the board. Because all decisions are made before you get to the board table, and um, it's really important. So being somebody different who's selected on a board... Um, You've got to make sure you've got to have to have a voice, and that's so difficult um, because it's still probably dominated by people who've done business together for a long time. Yeah, I remember talking to you, Mel, years ago when you um, about your journey when you first went into broadcasting and saying how dominated it was by males, and you had to really make sure that you were on point. Um, which is my next question. Statistically, you used to roll out all the stats and make sure that you based all your information on fact. Give us a little bit of. Yeah. Have you got any stats on you about the World Cup? What, what have you What have you worked out that if the Do you know what the um, the Black Ferns need to do to win the World Cup? Because they're up against England and France. Whereabouts? Yeah. Well, put your football brain on. Give me some. Give me some information because you're also a very smart analyst. Of where you think they need to go to win this this cup? Well, interestingly, um, I focused on stats early because that is what your super uh, sport fan loves. And for this World mm. Cup, I have changed how I communicate. I'm talking about styles um, and strategies. So I've spent the whole week or a week and a half looking at um, women's rugby's um, teams and really looking at what they're doing. And so if we start with a team like Canada, who will be in the top four, they are excellent. 
they're extremely structured and they play a, a multi-phase play type of style. But then you move into your French team or even your Black Ferns, and these are two teams who may have one or two strike moves or set pieces and a couple of phase plays, which they pre-organise. Those two teams basically play what's in front of them. So it's really exciting mm. style of rugby. And then England, who are just um, the powerhouses of women's rugby, they are structured, but they also mm. have um, a number of um, special tools, I'd call them, that they bring out of the box which has elevated them to the most dominant team in women's rugby at the moment. So it's going to be really hard for uh, the Black Ferns and also France to take England down. The only way they're going to do it is by playing really beautiful, fast, um, unexpected rugby, which means this is going to be a spectacle to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait till this weekend uh, kicks off at home. Eden Park, sold-out stadium. It's been coming for a long time. I'm happy it's here. And, yep, you're dead right. Wayne Smith, unstructured as they wow. come. His mindset, just chaos. Get them thinking every single time. <laughs> He's so good. Uh, yeah, we appreciate it, Melody. We appreciate you coming on the show, well and uh, you're, you're a fantastic uh, ambassador for our wahine going out there, not only wahine, our Māori girls. You're inspiring. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Oh, oh good. I'll see you at the game or else, Izzy, or else. <laughs> it's in Auckland. <laughs> hey, why didn't you bring it down to Otatahi Christchurch? That's what I want to say. Come on. Mm, they didn't want to put any money up, mate. You should talk to councils. <laughs> Mate, they, they couldn't even buy us a stadium Let alone put any money up for a game Anyway Thank you, <laughs> thank you. appreciate it Kakite Here she is, Melody Oof. Sort your bloody council out, is he? Mate, can't even sort them out They can't even sort themselves out I don't even know who's mayor at the moment Who is it, Leanne Dalziel? Yeah, that's it Have you voted? <laughs> uh, not at the moment, I'll vote someone yeah, she's great. She's great. You know, she's one of the. I worked with Mel for a number of number of years, and um, one thing I learned from her was to be prepared. Like you would go into in the conversations with her and sit across from her, and she would talk rugby league, and she would teach me a thing or two, mate, because she would study teams and come up with all the stats around why they're performing really well. And she taught me real real early in my broadcasting career. Um, at that stage, mate, do your homework. She just had pages of it. So um, when I was talking to her the other day, the first thing she said to me, I hope you and Izzy are promoting the World Cup. And I said, promote it yourself. Come on the radio and, and talk to us. So she got a bit of a shock when I said that, Is, um, But yeah. she's fantastic. She loves the, the women's game. She's been great for it. Yeah, awesome. Great to chat with her. She's such. She's got so much banter. Man, she used to rip my bald head out. <laughs> oh, honestly, on TV, I was like, man, you Barry, don't do that now. Look at me now. Look at me now. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're flying, brother. You are flying. Just need that stadium so Ototahi Christchurch can get some blimmin' games, World Cup games. Up. That's not the reason, Louis. Come on, surely not. Well, I'll be part of it. Is it? It'll be part of it, for sure. Like, they missed out on Women's World uh, Football World Cup as well because FIFA, I'm pretty sure, said that the standard of Orange Theory was too grim. I'm pretty sure that was a big part of it. So, yeah, and then obviously local government funding is another one. And actually on local government, nobody wants to hear this because I know people roll their eyes, but you should get out and vote. It's happening right now because we love to whinge about our councils, Kempi, but we actually can change. 
And I know you, people think that it's so there's just a bunch of Muppets running and it's like a bit of a waste of time, and I kind of get that to a point. But at the same time, democracy is an important thing, and without it, we would be a rabble. So I would encourage everybody to vote. Well, I, I, I got an easy answer to that. If you don't vote, shut up. You know what I mean? You can't moan about something because you've actually got a say in it and you decide who actually sits in those seats. If you can't be bothered to fill out your forms and put them back in the post and have a say on who you want sitting on those council seats, it's like elections, then stop moaning. Actually do something. I read a, I read a post this morning. It's really scary. In, in one local election, there's 4,000 votes and only 300 people have voted in a, in a, in a group. And I'm like... Well, you know, you're just never going to get a say if you don't get off your butt and and get the job done and put that vote in. Well, it's see, a real simple thing to do. Very, very well said, Kimpy. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.